welcome to Brits on Flicks, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, dissect and deliberate over a movie of our choosing. This time it is a 1988 classic, Heathers. So, this is something that I know we're both looking forward to mm-hmm. getting into, but before we do, let's do a little bit of housekeeping early on. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking at the, the iTunes stat, we've had a few reviews, we've got five stars across the board so far, uh, some very nice comments, uh, but you know, they're a little bit older, we've not had any recent uh, comments, so we really appreciate the fact that you're listening to the show, and we'd appreciate it even more if you would take a couple of seconds just to, to rate us, uh, give us a little review, if we get any other new ones, we'll possibly lead them out on the, the show. Yep. There we go, quick and easy, uh, thanks in advance. <coughs> so, Brian, your history with Heather. Oh man, my history with Heather's is... Pretty much that I watched it to death uh, when uh, when I was in my late teenage years during high school. Uh, so yeah, I was a big fan of Batman Returns at one point. In fact, Batman Returns was my favourite film of all time. This obviously being when I was like 12, 13 years old. I think it may have even lasted up until about the age of 15. Batman Returns was still my favourite film of all time. And one of the big things about that was Daniel Waters, who wrote the screenplay for it. I just thought the screenplay that he did for Batman Returns was so off-kilter, so dark, twisted for for a summer blockbuster that is kind of, you know, caught up in deals with McDonald's toys and things. So I thought, Daniel Waters, let's check out what else he's done. And, and the, 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 thing, the thing on his CV that most people seemed to be talking about was Heather's, so... I went, I got it on DVD, I watched it, and man, just loved it. Uh, it, just, it just really spoke to me. And I, I think I've said before, I've spoken before on the podcast about my school days and them not particularly being my favourite kind of period of my life. Um, I, I kind of, yeah, I didn't like school and I buried myself in movies. That, that was kind of my escape. I would come home after school, thankfully I had my own video, VCR and TV, and I, yeah, I had a, about 20, 30 films that would be on constant rotation, and this was one of them. So yeah, I didn't buy it on DVD actually, I, I take that back, it was video, I bought it on video. Um, but uh, yeah, it spoke to me a lot, because like I say, I hated school, so I, I in a way I felt this, this is going to sound weird. I felt like Veronica because uh, she, you know, I, I, I was never part of the clique. I was never part mm. of the cool kids or anything like that. But I had, I had her same, same disdain for the people around her, um, you know, those cliquey groups. And just I had this kind of affinity towards people who were somewhat outcasts, such as myself, and often would come to the defence of some of them, uh, which got me in trouble. So, yeah, it, it just spoke to me. And in many ways, I think I kind of wanted to be JD. Uh, I, I, I identified with his character, not the psychopathic tendencies, but the desire, I guess, the desire to clean slate, clean house, and, and do something about it. So, yeah. So on all those levels, it spoke to me, and I just watched it again and again and again. Mm. Yep. 
much the same. This was a, a constant repeat for me when I was younger as well. I, I just thought the movie was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, it had this really weird and unusual tone that I don't really think I had seen in many movies at that time. Uh, and it was something that spoke to me as well, much like yourself. I, I felt was a little bit of an outsider at school. It was never in the uh, any particular group. You know, we kind of bounced between them all, so I kind of had an affinity with most of the people uh, in this movie. You know, that, that kind of awkwardness within yourself that, that some of the characters have. Um, and then when it turns to the, the violence and the ridiculousness, it still manages to skate a very fine line that, that I kept me coming back, you know, whether it was a message within it or whether it was just fun entertainment. I, I found Heather's to be an enjoyable watch and something that <coughs> has happened a lot, actually, where I, I've binged a movie. You know, I've watched it so many times that I almost forget about it. It, it eats out the brain and then this has possibly been about 15 years since I last saw it. So I was yeah. eager to revisit it, um, which we've done. So let's uh, have a synopsis first, shall we? Let's, yeah. Okay. So at Westerberg High School, an elite clique made up of three snobby girls each called Heather, reigns supreme. Smart and popular, Veronica, played by Winona Ryder, is a reluctant member of the gang and disapproves of their cruel behaviour. When Veronica and her mysterious new boyfriend, JD, played by Christian Slater, play a trick on the clique leader, Heather Chandler, and accidentally poison her, they frame it as a suicide. But it soon becomes clear to Veronica that JD is a sociopath, intent on vengefully killing the school's popular students. She races to stop JD in an explosive final confrontation, at the same time clashing with Heather Duke, the new self-appointed leader of the Heathers. Mm. Well done. So, um, where do we start on this behemoth of a movie? <laughs> uh, for me, I, I just think um, so. Th this came at the towards the end, the arse end of the eighties. Like I think it was eighty eight. I think, mm -hmm. um, and by this point, we had been pretty much saturated with John Hughes style yeah. uh, high school movies, and I think this was pretty much the antidote. To those, uh, and that's not me slagging off John Hughes movies because I, I love them. We uh, <laughs> may even speak about some of them later on in this episode, but uh, yeah, just it takes everything that you kind of see in those John Hughes movies and really puts the darkest possible spin <laughs> on them. Uh, so mm. yeah, yeah, like you were saying, very different from the John Hughes stuff, but. Um it seems to have, like I said, a very fine line in it where it, it actually does tackle a topic of, of teenage suicide but does it in a ridiculous manner um, as well, which you could uh, be forgiven for saying just hearing about the plot there is bad taste, but I feel it handles it exceptionally well, especially the aftermath and the reaction um, of, of all the students and parents and news people. I, I think it's... It is hilarious, but uh, more than anything, it, it feels very now. You know, yeah. the way people 
instantly react to things and it may not be the exact way that it's supposed to be across, but they, they interpret it and put a voice on these things, yeah. um, which I thought was quite fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. it. It does have a lot to say, I think, about the way in which culture works um, and how we re- how we misread each other. Uh, mm. Like just like you say, it, on paper, mm, very bad taste. But uh, yeah. like seeing um, the way in which some, someone like the, like the first Heather, Heather Chandler, who's mm. you know when she's killed, she's an absolute bitch. And yet when, you know, when suddenly the moment people think she took her own life, their whole perception of her changes. Mm. Um, and, it, and it's like, it, in the John Hughes movie, you know, if this were the John Hughes movie, you wouldn't get a suicide. But if, if you did, then it would be for this reason. It would be that, you know, the, the jock a-hole was actually underneath a you know a deep caring person who was misunderstood and that's why they took their own life whereas here mm. they're not they genuinely are an asshole um but it but it, again it's it's just playing on that the way in which the media might pick up something run with it turn it turn it into something that it isn't in order to create a movement hashtag me too uh you know it's, it's just things like that it's just it feels very relevant, I think, even today, mm-hmm. with regards to how the media like to spin things and and create a fervor to get people all you know carried away with stuff. It's very dark, it's very humorous, and yet it's also very serious and quite poignant at the same time. Um, one of my favorite moments actually is right towards the end, which is when Veronica. Um, reaches out a hand, I guess, of friendship towards Martha. Yeah, yeah, Martha Dump Truck, as as they as they call her. Yeah, yeah. Um, So Betty as well. Yeah, I do. I do like that (coughs) moment as well. The way she goes back to her her old friend, but particularly, Mm. you know, this this woman who is clearly bullied. She's the biggest outcast in in Mm. more ways than one of the school. And you can't help but feel for her throughout, you know, and, and that awful moment mm-hmm. at, the, at the beginning when Veronica forges that note mm-hmm. uh, because the Heathers tell her to, and, you know, she does, she does what she's told, basically, to fit in. Um, yeah. And she goes, she goes from being that girl to, to being someone who, in the end, will actually, you know, she, she'll do what she feels is right. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and she reaches out to... To Martha but at the end. I think she's probably the most one of the most fascinating characters within the movie because, um, very interestingly, she doesn't say anything until the final scene of the movie. Um, she's not given a voice. She's not allowed to speak throughout the movie. She's kept uh, quiet. Uh, she's constantly berated and run down and picked upon because of nothing more than mm. pretty much her size. Mm. Um, and even when you have the people who are, we'll say committing suicide or being murdered 
um, they're being lauded after the fact for being you know fantastic human beings. Mm. Um, she fails in her attempt, and that's just another nail in her coffin. That's another thing to berate the yeah. person about. And and she yet she and yet right. she, she's the only one who is a genuine Gen- attempt at suicide. So the the one person that is actually trying to reach out to the world that is actually yeah you know doing it doing it for the right reasons like mm. I, I don't know how else to phrase that but uh yeah and she's she's picked upon even further for it and yet like you say the people who had genuine assholes are suddenly seen as something different because they were mm-hmm. successful or believed to be successful in their attempts so yeah mm. um and at the heart of the movie, you get Veronica, who is someone that's in, in the in crowd, but doesn't really want to be there, but doesn't want to be in the outside of that circle either. Mm-hmm. And then you have JD, who's new in school, who is most definitely a loner, very comfortable in himself, very happy to speak his mind and his own actions, and isn't willing to be intimidated by anybody. You know, there's, there's a scene right at the start where she sees him in the canteen, and, you know, most people, when they make eye contact with a stranger, tend to look away for a moment. And you just get this character of JD who leans more into it, who mm. takes interest in the fact. Um, you find it, or you have an idea that instantly he knows the lay of the land. He's seen this type of environment before. And it's it's not going to um, wash over him gently. You know, he's going to, well, he's going to do what he's going to do later on. But mm. what do you think about the pairing? Of uh, Jack Nicholson Jr. and Winona Ryder. <laughs> I was wondering if anyone was going to uh, bring that up. Uh, I, I know that a lot of people have talked about the, a young Christian Slater being very reminiscent of a young Jack Nicholson. Uh, I never actually saw it myself until somebody made that comparison, uh, and I, I can I can see it to there, but he's he's not quite as full on as as good old Jack, but. Um, no. Yeah, I mean, and, and that moment you talked about when, when he's making the eye contact, I really love that moment because without saying any words, the two of them have a full-blown conversation. Um, it, you know, he, you see his disapproval of what mm. she's done. You know, he, he saw her put the note in and there's, there's like a recognition there between the two and he does this slight gesture with his hands like, why? Why are you doing that? Like, like, but but also at the same time, you bet you can be better than that. You don't need mm-hmm. to be that woman. Um, so, so they basically just have this full-on conversation without saying any words. I, I do think it's a, a nice bit of acting, but it's also it highlights the chemistry between these two actors. I think Winona Ryder and Christian Slater are absolutely brilliant on screen together, and I think it's the pairing of those two for the most part that really makes this film succeed. That, along with the script, I think the script is absolute dynamite, especially, as I say, coming off the back of all those John Hughes movies of the 80s. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, d- definitely, I think you put two different actors in those roles, I, I, it's arguable whether you would have the same success, I think. Yeah, I mean, you, you get the idea that Veronica is an incredibly smart person. You know, it's mm. f- fed to you throughout it. She's very intelligent. Um, JD is obviously uh, smart and psychotic at the same time but you feel that she goes along with it Mm. you know you have a feeling that she knows in the back of her head that things aren't going to play out the way the the bullets situation for one 
she makes it he makes up this story about the bullets and she probably knows it's a load of crap but she just goes along with it because she likes this guy she, she buys into his ideals a little bit well, he, well maybe too much in fact and I think there's a mm. real honest moment from JD uh, and maybe a dishonest moment from Veronica when when she when she says you know Ich luge bullets. How could I be so stupid? And his he replies, "Well, actually, you knew. Hmm. If, if you're being honest with yourself, you knew. Uh, you know. And I, and I think part of it did know, um, yeah. which kind of yeah, it, it throws a a huge switch on the the moral hmm. kind of <laughs> compass of this character. That, that there's only so much I can kind of." be on board with her but I think the reason I am on board with her as much as I am is again because of Winona Ryder's performance uh, she's got a very good kind of girl next door vibe about her and uh, yeah. yeah there's fantastic scenes um, that the, the adults in this movie are all idiots and this seems completely <laughs> um, look at the parents for instance you get Veronica's parents who are like um, constantly with the patty yeah. <laughs> just they sit down. They have a similar conversation. They're not um, having an in-depth conversation with their daughter. You know, it's, it's surface level. They're it's not parents. Really interested. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not really interested. You get the conversation between uh, JD and his father, where they kind of do a role reversal type of thing, mm. where they they know a little bit too much. They, they are nagging at each other. You know, they're oversharing yeah. um, with some of the things that they've had. You get the happy teacher who is just happy to be right for once. That, that's, that's it. She has a cause. That's everything she needs. Even the the cops that, that discovered the bodies in the woods. You know, just... <laughs> yeah. I think we know everything we need to go. Sparkling water. Yeah, that moment when he pulls that bottle of water. They set, they set that up so beautifully, and then when he pulls it's, it out, I was just in stitches. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's just... The idiots, the, the idiots of the adults are, are just, you know, everywhere to be seen. And then you have these characters who are smarter than smart, who, who know the lay of the land better than their, their, their brainwashed parents almost. Mm. I, I really love the score as well, actually, mm. in this. And uh, it's during that scene when, when the cop pulls the water out. It's, it's actually when uh, JD's chasing the jock guy down. Um, the music to that. Uh, I, I just, it might actually be that moment, or it might be the moment towards the end when just poor JD blows himself up, where uh, just the the music is actually, I, I couldn't think what, what it reminded me of, and I was like, I kept on humming it in my head, and I suddenly realised that actually, one of my favourite bands, Muse, they did a song called Plug In Baby, and the riff to that 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 bit is it's, it's just it's pulled from mm. heathers it's like that that bit of music it's just like yeah so but I, I do i love the music and after watching it this time i did actually download the score as i'm often prone to do and i've been listening to it a fair bit over the past few days it's, it's a really great 80s film score yeah and something that really surprised me going back to this movie um was the fact that Veronica and JD split up like much earlier on than I remembered. 
and it becomes an almost battle of will between these characters mm. because Veronica knows that the, she's kick-started something. She, as much as she doesn't want to admit it, she has started a movement with JD, which she is going to finish, and it becomes, you know, like a, a proper battle between these two people, playing constant chess moves, trying to outsmart each other. Yeah, because, like, even though this is a, a darker take on a John Hughes movie, as I keep saying, it still has that whole coming-of-age kind of vibe to it and thread that a John Hughes movie would have, because this is really all about this, this, this girl finding her identity amidst, amidst a sea of uh, opposing forces, I guess. You know, like it's, it's basically... We, you, you go in high school, that's all it is. It's, it's clique after clique after clique, groups, mm. segregation, um, you know, popularity versus outcasts and whatnot. And how do you find out who you are amongst all of that? You know, how, how do you gain independence, an independent thought amongst all that? Uh, and that's really what this film is about. It's about this woman who is torn, this way and that, because deep down in her heart, she is a geek. She wants to hang around with the geek crowd, but she also, she's attracted to the popularity for the same reasons anyone would be. Um, and it really is a film about her accepting who she is and not being apologetic for it and choosing who she wants to spend her time with because she wants to, not because, you know, it... it furthers her status so yeah in that regard it's a coming of age movie it's just it's just it happens to be one in which this 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 girl has actually committed murder which which for me is is the uh it's, it's the one sour spot in the film for me mm. uh, which is that however much you try and gloss over it she did shoot that guy um you know the the <clears throat> the whole poisoning thing can kind of let that one slide because that was JD, JD and his manipulation. Um, but yeah, when that guy, you know, she, she'd figured it out by that point, the whole ick luger bullet thing. But, but she was still in that moment, still, even then, was bowing to peer pressure. Um, and I think that was her final moment of peer pressure, actually. That's, mm. you know, you can't really get any more extreme when it comes to peer pressure, you know, shoot, shooting someone, killing someone in order to, to belong, I guess. Um, but after that moment, she says, screw it. Uh, I've... Mm. And she recognises what she's become as well. We have these scenes with the diary entries where, you know, she talks, she has this inner monologue and she does talk about the monster she knows she's become. I mean, if you... Look at the cast of characters. You look at the people on show here. Are there are there any are there any people that are likable that come out of this uh, winning at all? Um, because I, yeah, I'd, I'd say Be Betty and Martha. They're they're the people to me who. Because Betty's still longing for that friendship that seems to have moved on. She's still harboring onto something that seems to have slipped away. Well, yeah, even but, when. Even, even when they have the crochet match, the, the, I, it's not connecting to old times. No, I, d I, don't, I, I don't agree with that. I think that Betty still sees something in Veronica that ultimately 
when we get to the end of the film is proven to still be there. Um, so it, it's not like it's a false hope. It's not like it's a, a pointless dream kind of thing. So I, mm. I think she's just an innately good person who, who does want her friend back. At, at one point or another, these two have been the best of friends. She's got the photos mm. to prove it. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I think of course she wants to reconnect, and of course she wants this person who she who she knew and loved to come back to the light side. Um, and like it's, I say, ultimately she she does. You get that great juxtaposition between Veronica and Betty, and um, Heather and Martha, who were childhood friends, who spent a lot of time together, and who uh, Heather takes great pleasure in the fact mm. that she failed a suicide attempt. Yeah. You know, that, that person's lost. She's she's gone forever, the goodness in her. She's just a, a nasty piece of work. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think I think as well, a lot of the, the clothing designs, a lot of the production in this are absolutely hilarious. You know, the bright, <laughs> silly colours. and The shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so like, there, there was one moment in this film when I was looking at... Um, was it Veronica maybe one of the Heathers I'm pretty sure it was Veronica Uh, and her shoulders just look so broad because of the uh, the the, the pads it was just man I couldn't believe that this this fashion at any point was socially acceptable (laughs) it's just a complete bonkers I mean I I I really loved Heathers going back to it again Um, I can't I can't even if I'm picking in any faults, I'm just, I'm nitpicking, really. Mm. You know, I don't think there's anything I could put it down on. I thought the, the script was fantastic, really layered. I think the direction, which is a debut film for Michael Lehman, was mm. a, a stunning debut that I think he's, he struggled to better, uh, to yeah. be fair. He just kind of knocked it out of the park. All the actors are, are pitch perfect. The tone, which would have been easy to lose, was just... Nailed a hundred percent. I think it's a movie that still holds up today, um, with as much reverence and power as it did back then. Well, it's still being having as much of a message as as an entertaining movie, which is a really hard balance to find as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of went into a wrap up there, Brian, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I think I'll just finish off. Like for me, Heather's is is a stone cold classic. Absolutely, five out of five. I'm. I know there's a stage show which I think would be interesting. And I know that last uh-huh. year they did a TV series, which I'm, I'm really? curious about. Yep. Wow, um, okay. I did not know that. Time, yeah, I think it's 10 episodes. If we had wow. more time, I would have checked it out. I've heard the pilot's not great, but the series picks up. So, wow, okay. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, I, I like I said, I love this film. It's one of my favourite movies of the 80s. I, I, it, thankfully, it's one of those films that I had so much nostalgia for, and yet revisiting it after all this time, it still holds up, you know. Uh, there, there are films that haven't, you know. The films from my past that I watched all the time, Monster Squad, for example. Um, awesome. Just not hold up. Just do not hold up. Uh, but uh, I love it. I, I like I say the the murder that Veronica commits is still a bit of a 
sour spot for me in in allowing this character to have full redemption. Um, you know, I think in order to be truly redeemed, she needs to fess up to, to, to that murder to to the authorities, I guess. Uh, but uh, that being said, we also have a whole thing in here. Um, a look, shall we say, at the religious establishment. Um, there's a one point when JD says to Veronica, our love is God, um, which I think is a bit of a commentary on, shall we say, the, the godless youth of today, if you wanna if you wanna phrase it that way, which is that actually um, yeah, teenagers kind of, they, they place too much emphasis on the love between one another or what they perceive to be love between one another, whether that's through group associations or somebody they have an absolute obsession with. And that does become their God and it steers them down wrong, terrible avenues. Uh, that's kind of what I see when I see this. And there are a few what could be perceived as jabs at religion, uh, organised religion, whatever. Um, you know, if you, like there's a, there's a rather humorous sequence at the funeral when people keep kneeling down to look at the body and are supposed to be praying and paying their respects, but you hear the prayers inside their heads and, and they're, they're quite humorous, uh, particularly that jock guy who's like... <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, uh, but... But again, that speaks volumes of the generation to which the film is actually commenting on, that it is, for want of a better term, a godless generation. And, well, look look where it gets them in the film. I'll say no more on that. But, uh, yeah, absolutely love the film. Performances, the music, the dark humour. Uh, definitely one of my favourites of the 80s. And I will give it a four and a half out of five. OK. Um, just... Last word on Heathers before we move on, and I think a, a word that really encapsulates the full movie, it boils it down to a T, says everything I need to say about it, and that word is Eskimo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you couldn't wait for that, could you? Have, you? have you been planning that the whole time? No, it just popped in my head. Yeah. Just popped in, um, just had to do okay. it. Just had to do yeah. it. So our top ten is a cornucopia. Of, of movies that we could pick out for this thing I was I was struggling badly for this this was a great uh, top 5 I think top 5 movies centred around or in a high school um, mm. and there was so many you know I, I just you, you, you suddenly, suddenly realise just how many movies actually fit into the high school bracket um, mm. and I, I will say I I um, I, I, when I googled high school movies, one of the things that came up was the Rotten Tomatoes um, top 50 high school movies, so based on Rotten Tomatoes scores, and I will say that my number two, my number two choice has a score of 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, and yet it doesn't appear in their list of high school films. So that that just goes to show you how 
if you get really out of the box on things, th there are films that can be considered high school movies and yet, you know, would go, would go unnoticed. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I just if you give me one brief moment mm -hmm. while I just completely rejig my list, because I've got a list of films here and I'm just, do you know what? I'm I'm just going for it. Right, fine. Good to go. Okay. I, and I mean it's it's quite it's quite good to have something as freeing as this, you know, set in or around the school. Mm hmm Doesn't need to be the whole movie. Um but yeah, okay. Who who's gonna go first, Brian? Go on, I'll I'll go first. Because <laughs> yeah, yours will be no doubt uh, I'm imagining, I don't know, all kind of drama based highfalutin high school movies where minds are all deep down in the gutter. Um, <laughs> 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 hey, there's a lot to be said for being deep down in the gutter. Um, okay. well, I, people? I, I, I'll do my top five and then I'll do some honourable mentions because I do want to just yeah, shout out some of the films that didn't make the cut. Um, but uh, yeah, number five for high school movies... Um, take that as you will, is Rushmore. So, yeah, this is, this is definitely a high school movie. It mostly takes place in a high school. It's about a high school student. Um, it's about a very clever high school student, uh, but he kind of keeps himself back each year, I guess, just because he enjoys the life. It's kind of like the opposite to Heather's in many ways, uh, in that, this is about a student who just loves being at high school and doesn't really ever want to leave. And he finds ways to stay there, I guess. Um, but he, he develops an attachment to this teacher uh, played by Olivia... I can't remember her second name. Um, I wanted to say Coleman, but that's, that's, uh, that's the, the, the British actress. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he develops this kind of crush on her. Uh, but then one of his best friends, who just happens to be this guy who's, like, three times his age, four times his age, five times his age, maybe. Um, no, four, about four times his age. He, he, uh, he, um, he gets the, the hots for her as well. So then it becomes this little bit of a competition, um, and yeah, so it's just, it's Wes Anderson. It has that same quirkiness that all Wes Anderson films have. I think this was his second feature after Bottle Rocket. Um, and it's just hilarious with really well drawn out characters and a nice visual flair. So yeah, really great high school movie, uh, Rushmore. And it also pays homage to a lot of other movies so there's, there's these whole sequences in it when um, they do theatre like um, obviously school, school plays that they put on and, and they do a, a whole load of stuff in there that references movies and things so you can tell this is made by someone who has a love of cinema uh, but yeah really great film Rushmore yeah um, I'm, I'm trying to think if my movies are really centred I mean they all have high schools in them but if they're really centred <laughs> around about high school I don't know if they are anyway my number five is Scream um, 
like I said, it is involving high school students. At high school, some of the time, it is something that rejuvenated the horror scene when it needed to be rejuvenated. We've spoke about Scream before. I think we've seen it countless times, really. Mm. It, it is um, probably one of the best horror movies of the 90s, if not the best. Wes Craven did it again. The, the, mm. From the... the the, we'll say the whole opening with Drew Barrymore was something that was unexpected at the time. She was the biggest star. Mm. Um, took her out. We've got Henry Winkler as uh, the principal who gets off to off screen. We only see for a brief second. It's all about these high school students who are media junkies. You know they've all seen the horror movies that we've grew up with. They all know them inside out. They know the pitfalls and the traps, and they use that to their advantage by torturing each other in elaborate manners. Scream is an all-time favourite of mine, and um, simply, if there was only a high school in it for a second, it would have been on this list. <laughs> yeah, Scream was my number six, basically. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like this and that on it. Um, I think, in the end, Rushmore won out over Scream just because it mostly takes place at the high school, whereas Scream I was kind of on the fence with because... While we do see them at school a couple of times, it's mostly in people's houses. It's mostly, you know, and the whole final act is, 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 is at a party, at a house party. So while it's about high school students, we don't really get a right lot at the high school. So for me, it was like, oh, I was on the fence. I was like, can I really class it? I think you can, if you, you know, but uh, yeah. Um, it it I I may even like it more than Rushmore I think, but I just think that yeah I went with Rushmore just because it fits more neatly into that high school bracket so but yeah definitely a great pick um, number four for me is Brick so this is Ryan Johnson is it Ryan Johnson yes is, yeah Ryan Johnson uh, so yeah. A brilliant film. His debut, I think, yeah, debut yep. film. And it was just f- phenomenal, really. Really dark, really dark indeed. Uh, m- maybe even owes a debt to Heathers in many ways by having, you know, I think Heathers was kind of like that first one to to really turn that the, the high school kind of film into something, you know, very dark uh, and... and but also humorous whereas here it is it is just very dark but it's also it's 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 also a um a hard-boiled detective story uh you know it's a kind of crime noir thriller of the 30s and 40s and 50s kind of just brought up to date and put in the setting of a of a high school uh so we have this student who kind of yeah, ends up getting embroiled in an investigation and with gangsters. Uh, so you got like the local drug dealer who's also part of the high school who runs it out of his out of his mum's basement, and it's just yeah, it's it it could go it could go so horribly wrong. But the tone of it, the the uh, the dialogue, which you know even the dialogue is done in that kind of detective you know, noir style of, of, of old, and it just works. Somehow it all comes together and it works. Uh, yeah, 
just really good stuff. Unlike anything I've I've seen since uh, or, or before, indeed. So yeah, brilliant. Yeah, um, I've I've obviously made an egregious error because that, that should have been on my list. Um, <laughs> I, I I was lucky enough to see it in the cinema, uh, completely mm. blind, didn't know what I was going into, and it was ideal. The movie it was made for me, you know, a, a, a film noir set in a school with great actors, with dialogue that was taken out of a Dashiell Hammett. A novel mm. um, or a Philip Marlowe movie whatever you want it's, it's just it's absolutely pitch perfect and it does a, a, a unusual balancing act it shouldn't work but it it just manages it terrifically well and Joseph Gordon-Lovett is absolutely mesmerising yeah. uh, in this film yeah you're right um, my number four is Heather's uh, the movie we've just talked about, for all the reasons we've talked about, is a, um, a sort of poke the fun at high school society while de- delivering a message at the same time, which is very hard to do without becoming uh, overly saccharine or in your face, and I think they do it terrifically well. Yeah. My number three is Heather's. Uh, yeah, it's just, what, what more can you say? Br- brilliant film that really set a trend, dark, humorous, Great characters, uh, yeah, and just endlessly rewatchable. So, yeah. Uh, my number three is Back to the Future. <laughs> um, it's set in high school, quite prominently. It's it's um, got a current day generation high school, Michael J. Fox and the uh, teachers that are there. It goes back in time to his mother and father and how they dealt with school, how the school was different at that time and things are still the same you get the school bully um, and what are you really going to say about Back to the Future if you don't know about it just now what rock have you been living under it's terrific <laughs> it's amazing we all know that the end yeah it's been so many years since I've seen Back to the Future because wow. yeah it's like it's one of those films that <coughs> li- literally got played to death uh, yeah. when, when I was a teenager and when I was a young boy and I just I, I literally got sick of it like and, and that it doesn't take away how great the film is because it is great you know there's there's only there's only one reason that I could watch it that many times to the point that it uh, that I got sick of watching it and that's mm-hmm. because it because it's a great film so you know when, when people mention back to the future I, I fully agree that it's a great movie. It's a classic of the eighties, but I just—I've never been able to bring myself to watch it again. Uh, it's, you know, for, for a good ten, fifteen—well, yeah, more, more like fifteen years now. I've probably not seen Back to the Future. I've got the trilogy box set upstairs, but I, I just perfect, perfect. Mm. I um, I went on the twenty-first of October, two thousand and fifteen. The, the cinema had um, the trilogy playing mm. one after another. And I went and saw them in the big screen, and it was just that first one. I mean, the, the the second and third are good, but that first one just nails everything. Every joke works. The pacing works. The whole tale is just magical. It's just so much fun. And for something that I was like, I've seen it countless times, revisiting it again, it just blew my socks off again. At just how fantastic it is. Like you said, people call that classic for a reason. It's, it's, just, it's just, again, it's like going back 
to the time it was made, there wasn't a right lot like this, you know, taking mm. that high concept, time travel, things like that, and then sticking it in this high school setting. The, the two characters, Marty McFly, Doc McBrown, they just gel so well, and they shouldn't, but they do. You get this really old scientist guy and this young kind of whippersnapper of a typical teenager. Uh, so, it, yeah, it is. It's great, but it's not on my top five. Um, my number two, and like I say, so this, this, is, this is a film that has a 98% score on Rotten Tomatoes. It didn't appear in their list, and that's clearly because they don't see it as a high school movie. But... I do, uh, and it's one that we've reviewed already on Brits on Flicks. It is Let the Right One In. Um, okay. So much of this film does actually take place in a high school setting. So you've got this mm -hmm. main character who is being bullied at school. Uh, you know, you've got the final set piece at the end where the, the vampire girl, boy, uh, whatever, uh, kind of... Yeah, takes these bullies bullies down. So it is a coming of age story once again in that regard. Um, but again, it's one that has a very dark twist because actually, when this when this kid, Oscar, comes of age, so to speak, it's actually one of the most depressing things imaginable mm. because he, he you know he believes he's found his calling, his true love. His all those things that they they kind of point to in high school movies, but actually, he's he's become a slave. You know, he's he's started the journey. He start he's started on the road to this life of slavery and servitude, which we see in this in this character uh, at the beginning of the film. This this guy who's looking after Ellie. Um, that's where he's heading. That's that's how his life is going to going to end up. Um, so it's it's very depressing in that regard, and it's really a film about evil and it's the ways it manipulates uh, and hides like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, so yeah, really great film, but definitely not your more upbeat John Hughes style high school movie. Uh, my number two is Gross Point Blank. Um, oh! Oh! Talk about your egregious errors. No, mm, yeah. we're going to have to rewrite this list. Sorry. Gross, Gross Point Blank is one of my favourite films of all time. I did yeah. not think to put that on there. It was the first all. one that pointed. It just popped into my head straight away. Nah. It's going to be re reunion. It's... It's you take a um, you take a John Hughes movie, and you play it through, and then at the end of it, you have the characters taking really dramatic turns. One goes and joins the army. Fifteen years later, <laughs> he comes out as an assassin. You know, and it becomes a romantic comedy with fantastic action beats that throws back to those John Hughes movies of the eighties through a terrific, absolutely fantastic. Soundtrack that this movie has, I'd say possibly John Cusack's best movie, um, and one that I watched a yes. hell of a lot. Yeah, um, you know, 
Nah, anybody, man. anybody who's a fan of this movie could be able to put it on their list. <laughs> oh, how did that slip me back? That genuinely hurts. That hurts. Wait. Really does. Oh, I can't. I, I can't count the times, the amount of times I've seen this film. Hmm. Um, I'm changing my list right now. Sorry, Rushmore's gone. Brick is my number five. Heather's is my number four. Let the right one in is my number three. My number two is gross point blank. I'm sorry, it has to be done. I'm changing it because it's one of my favourite movies of all time. Uh, years ago, like four years ago, when I first started my YouTube channel, I did um, a four-part video in which I did my top 100 movies of all time. And gross point blank was like in... It was, I think it was in my top 20. So, uh, yeah, there is no way I'm ending this without putting that in my top five. Not a chance. So, yeah, uh, everything's been bumped down. Gross point blank is my number two, big time. Moving on. I'll let you do your number one. <laughs> okay, uh, my number one is Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused. Um, I've always had a great affinity with this movie. Um, it's a movie pretty much without a story, which I think Linklater does better than anybody else, but it gives you a true cross-section of the different kind of cliques and groups that there is in high school, and it doesn't focus on one in particular, it gives you insight to all of these groups and the way they think and the way they socially interact, you have kids moving up from middle school into high school, you have the, the kids that are, are going into seniors that are going to be the city gods of the school so to speak it is full of a jaw dropping cast of characters before they, they were big big it's a movie that I've watched countless times and it's a, a effortless every single time if and if we had to pick one niggle on it it would uh, be the lead actor who plays Mitch uh, who isn't a good actor <laughs> um, but other than that, everything else about this movie is just perfect. Yeah, I, re I remember seeing Days Confused when I was probably about 13. Loved mm. it, found it hilarious. I've not seen it since. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, it, it, it is one that I know a lot of people rate very highly indeed. Um, so I, I, I've no doubt that it may have even appeared on this list had I, you know, had a clear recollection of it. But I just simply don't remember enough about it other than Matthew McConaughey's all right, all right, all right kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, nowhere else to go with that one. But mm. it's, it's definitely on my must-watch again at some point soon. Ooh, we need to get out on the show at some point. Yeah, indeed. Um, okay, so my number one is Donnie Darko. Uh, I just love this film, love it. Uh, e even now, it's, it's in my top 20 movies of all time, possibly top 10. Um, it's, it's just phenomenal. One of the best debuts ever made from a director, I think, in Richard Kelly, who sadly has kind of disappeared, um, which is really sad, because actually I, I do enjoy Southland Tales. It's... it's it's no way near the level of Donnie Darko, for sure. Um, but there's something about it that I did like. And The Box, his third film, I love. I, I've got no, no qualms about it. I love The Box. I think it's a, 
very, very underrated film indeed. Um, I think maybe the the lack of success of Southland Tales really hurt the chances for the box, but yeah, if people haven't seen that film, they definitely need to go and see it. So as far as debuts go, yeah, Donnie Darko, absolutely brilliant. It's one of those films that really does leave itself wide open to interpretation. Um, There is a very specific interpretation to it uh, that um, the director kind of fleshes out more in the director's cut of the film, which... Mm -hmm. um, I've still avoided. Uh, I did try. I did start watching it one time, but for whatever reason, I didn't finish. And then I've never gone back because everyone that has seen it that I know says that the theatrical cut's better, and that actually by trying to explain stuff, it it loses something. Um, and I think it is a film best left to the viewer, to the audience, to to kind of draw their own meaning from it. Um, for me, it, it is simply just a tale about this, this boy, Donnie Darko, who despite all his problems, his mental issues, he chooses the life of others over that of his own. Um, you know, he's, he's, he makes a sacrifice and he comes to terms with it. You know, he travels back in time and he puts himself in the spot where he would have died in order for the rest of the town to live. Uh, and in doing that, this is the way I read it anyway, in doing that, all those people he saved somehow know, despite the fact that, you know, he's gone back in time, he's changed time, they shouldn't really know, they're still affected by it, they still feel it, they still feel his loss, they still feel what he's done for them, and it impacts them, and that's why we have this little montage at the end of the film in which we see them all waking up or being in various places and just having these moments. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant film. Like I say, does, that's my interpretation. Doesn't have to be anybody else's. But um, mm. yeah, I love it. And Mary MacDonald is great in it as well. She plays the mother. She has a really great scene in there that, that affects me every time I watch it. And yeah, I love it. Absolutely love Donnie Darko. Brilliant film. Yeah. Um, just before you go into your list, I'll just throw out two um, close calls in my list. Both three, Brett, if I include Brick, which I forgot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, School of Rock and The Breakfast Club were two that were, I just had to push off my list. Is School of Rock high school? Mm, I don't know. I suppose it is, isn't it? They, yeah, I think they are. Yeah, they're high school kids, aren't they? Oh, man alive. It, it wouldn't have made my top five, so that, that's fine. But it, de- it definitely makes my honourable mentions. Was there, was there another one? So, uh, the Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club, yeah. So, um, yeah. Here, so here's mine, my honourable mentions. Mean Girls, which I really love. Um, and it's actually directed by the brother of the writer of Heather's. Uh, Mark Waters. So, the, yeah, a lot of people give credit to Tina Fey for, for the film. Uh, I feel like Mark Waters was kind of, yeah, trying to put a, put a bit of his brother's inflection within that film. It, it doesn't quite go as dark as Heather's, but it definitely, 
definitely owes a debt to Heathers, uh, big time. Uh, Ghost World, again, another one that's been so long since I've seen it, I didn't feel comfortable putting it any higher. Uh, the Class, which is a French film that I saw it at the cinema and oof, I'd, I'd never been so uh, just tense, like, it, it basically it mostly takes place in a classroom and it's all done. You, you can tell there's been a lot of improv involved. It feels very real, very natural. Uh, and it's about this just unruly class, just annoying teenagers and, the, and how they're able to manipulate and play the system and know how to get around things. And, and you feel frustrated for this teacher. Um, and, and then... Finally, he does something. He oversteps a mark. And, and you kind of, you're kind of with him for it. You kind of understand it. And yet, it's still unacceptable. In the, in the eyes of the school, it's unacceptable. And he has to take the fall for, for it. Um, so it's, it's just, it's an incredible film. Um, Juno is another one. Uh, again, brilliantly written. Uh, the Breakfast Club. How could you not put The Breakfast Club on any honourable mentions film? Um, just above The Breakfast Club for me, which is actually my favourite John Hughes film, is Some Kind of Wonderful, which is actually kind of a remake of Pretty in Pink. Uh, John Hughes wasn't too keen on the end result of Pretty in Pink, so he did it again with Some Kind of Wonderful, except he switched... He did a role reversal with the male and the female character so that, I guess, so, so it wasn't, a, you know, a straight-up remake, I guess. Um, but it works. It works better, actually, uh, by, by giving the male character the, the traits of the female one in, in Pretty in Pink and vice versa. It, it adds a new dynamic to it, which is quite unexpected. Uh, Back to the Future, obviously. And my final honourable mentions... The guest, which, yeah, is just yeah. a really great film. I, I, I had, there was one movie that kind of flirted around the edges of my list, but mm. there's literally like two scenes in a school, and I wasn't even sure if it was high school or not. Yeah. But, um, but since we're throwing it out there, Battle Royale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. So, mm. oh, <laughs> by saying Battle Royale, you've just reminded me of another. Uh, Asian film, um, and I can't even remember what it's called now. Uh, but yeah, it's about this teacher anyway who takes revenge on the students. But it's 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 yeah, it's a really great film. of the evil. No, no. Is that the Kishimiki movie that's rather bloody? Right. Yeah, to be expected, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. There's our top five high school movies. But now is the time. Your favourite part of the show, and mine when I get to be the one giving the clues, uh, is, uh, yeah, I'm going to give you five films, five clues, uh, and you're going to pick one, and we shall review maybe, it. Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number one. This young woman is very good at looking after the lives and love lives of everyone around her. But does she have the courage to look out for her own? Number two. One woman slowly begins to suspect that her husband might just be the serial killer 
that has been preying on housewives in the local neighbourhood. Number three, aliens, drugs and American football. Number four, five people fight to save the world, but first they must raise the dead. And five, a recording sets in motion a series of events that leads to the uncovering of a great conspiracy. I'll tell you right now, the ones that have my interest peaked are two and three. Because um, it's in the street. And the one that I thought, God, that sounds awful, uh, is number one, which I'll be jettisoning straight away. <laughs> so you have gotten rid of Amelie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Still never watched it. You've not? Oh, man. Good grief. I think we've had this conversation before. I'm sure I've tried to get this on before. So, yeah. Um, number four. Uh, is, that the, is that the Raise the Dead? Yeah. What was number five? Number five is a recording sets in motion a series of events that leads to the uncovering of a great conspiracy. Yeah, we'll get rid of number five. You have got rid of Brian De Palma's Blowout. Oh, God, that's a great movie. Hmm. So I have two, three, and four. Two was... Which was two again? Uh, do you want me to just read two, three, and four out Please. again? Please. Yeah, so number two. One woman slowly begins to suspect that her husband might just be the serial killer that's been preying on the housewives in the local neighbourhood. Number three... Aliens, drugs, and American football. And number four, five people fight to save the world, but first they must raise the dead. Hmm. So, number two sounds very familiar. It's probably something I've seen before, but I do like my serial colour movies. <laughs> number three is a little bit more abstract um, with the... Aliens, drugs, and American football. See, I have I have no idea about that, and it's a bit worrying. And then four is five people to save the world, but first they must raise the dead. Mm. Um, I do not know. I I do not. Have I seen any of these, Brian? Do you think? I'm pretty sure you've seen two of them. Um, right. It's probable that you've seen the other one as well, but I'm not too sure about that. I'm going to get rid of four. You have gotten rid of Justice League. Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not the end of the world. Um, so I have a tough decision. I, I kind of know from the synopsis if it's accurate, like what kind of movie two is going to be. Three, I, I, I literally have no idea. Aliens, drugs, uh, and American football. Um, and that kind of terrifies me. So do I want to take a chance or do I want to go for the safe option? Last time I went for the safe option, I was severely punished. <laughs> um, <laughs> for those wondering, that's Gangster Squad episode. I am going to get rid of number three. Oh, are you sure? Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, you've gotten rid of the faculty. <sighs> Which I was kind of really hoping you'd go with, actually, but hey. Um, I, I do. I've seen that's one of those movies that I have seen countless times. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and and it it was uh, another of my honourable mentions, I might add, but I didn't want to name it just in case mm. when yeah. I got to this section it just gave it away. Um, but yeah, the faculty was definitely on my honourable mentions list. Um, okay then. Ah. Uh, one woman slowly begins to suspect that her husband might just be the serial killer that's be, that has been preying on housewives in the local neighbourhood. You have chosen Donald Camel's White of the Eye. Oh, I've not seen that. Mm. Excellent. Okay. So, I do have it. <laughs> yes, an arrow release. Uh, so, yes. yeah. Uh, I, I I bought it and I've been looking for an excuse to watch it. So this is Perfect. as good as any. So um, it's a first time watch for both of us? First time watch for both of us. And the top five for that mm -hmm. particular episode will be top five movie psychopaths. Okay. If you thought you had a lot to go on with uh, mm. high school movies... Delve deep, because, yeah, there's a lot of movie psychopaths. Interesting. I'm looking forward to that. My mind's already racing with the possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and just while it's in my head, while we mentioned Arrow Video, um, they are doing a release of Southland Tales at some point this year. Ah, okay. That so. is interesting to me. Very mm. It's not a movie I've seen all the way through, so it'll probably be something I, I pick up at some point. Mm. So there we have it. Excellent. So White of the Eye will be the next episode with the top five movie psychopaths, um, which is going to be a lot of fun. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode on Brits on Flicks.
Chalice.